So glad that we're able to do that. Come alongside of folks and organizations and people through the Dollar Club. It's just an awesome thing. I hope you get more information on that. If you don't know much about the Dollar Club, just get on our website, get on our Facebook page and, and find more about it. Uh, trust me, it'll encourage you. It will lift you up wherever you are. So glad that we're a church who gives ourselves away like that. And, and it's just an awesome thing to be a part of. Uh, well, it's good to be here with all of you. So glad that you made it here. And all of you who are watching online, thanks for joining us as well. Uh, and I will welcome you. Uh, we're in the middle of a series uh, called We Are The Church. I'm gonna get to that here in one minute, uh, but just wanna take a second and just kind of talk about something really quick before we get to uh, the message. So uh, I'm assuming all of you heard the same thing that I did uh, at the end of the week with, with the CDC coming out. And, and I'm just, hopefully you are like me, just a little encouraged by that news. I'm just a little encouraged by that, that it means a lot of things for us, that, that we're moving forward, that we're headed in that right direction of all this kind of coming to an end. And I'm just, I don't know about, I'm kind of excited about it. So um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited about it. And so what that means for us, right. So what that means for us, man, I, I, for after a year plus, I'd clap harder than that, I'm just saying. But anyways, uh, no, I, I, but I, for us as a church, it means we are moving forward as well. We're, we're looking forward to that. And this was at the end of the week with, with the, and, and we are looking at medical professionals as, as part of our decision as a church and what we do and next steps we take, including spiritual direction and, and what the God wants for us as a church. And so we're ready to take some next steps too. And, and we put a few things out there last night and uh, we're gonna get around that again this week. And, and I just wanna let you all know we're working really hard on that to make sure that we're really clear on what, what you should expect coming in this place as an adult, as a family with kids and parents and all that stuff. And just know with all that, because there is a lot of stuff to sift through for us. We're representing 1,200 people with, with all kinds of different opinions on this still. And just so all I'm asking as we make this decision is just, I just want to keep unity around what's most important, which is Jesus, everybody. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to get that information. We just want you to be really clear on what we're going to do. And, you know, I don't know when the donuts are coming back. I'm not sure, but I want unity around Jesus and not donuts, okay? Like I, I get you, I feel you, all right? We are, we are working on that, all right? But uh, let's be unified around Jesus and not donut holes, all right? So I love you. I, I want them too, okay? So we're, we're, but we're getting ready for that. We're, we're ready for that. We're excited about that. Hope you are too. Uh, and so just want to give that to you right now. So, so glad that we get to be talking about that this coming week. So, all right, let's get to it, everybody. Get to it. Go ahead and grab your Bibles, electronic devices, Open them up to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15, we're, we're skipping a few chapters ahead. So we've been in this series called We Are the Church. And what we're doing is, is we're looking into uh, this letter. It was actually a letter written by uh, the guy named Luke. And Luke was a follower of Jesus. And what Luke did for us is he chronicled uh, all of the acts of the, of the first church of Jesus. He kind of wrote it down as, as he saw it and as he experienced. And, and so it's allowing us uh, to do this. We are reading the book of Acts and we're just asking the question for us as a church, hey, who are we as a church? Like, how should this affect us with what we're reading and encountering as a church? What should we be all about? And so today, uh, we're actually gonna look at something I, I'm gonna try to make as exciting as possible because we're gonna look kind of a debate that happens in a church. But here's what's happening. We're gonna look at one of the first fights that breaks out in the first church, okay? And wouldn't you believe it, parents, I know you're gonna be shocked about this. The fight was over following the rules. I know, shocker, right? Like, shocker if you have kids. Um, I just want to really quick before we go, growing up, growing up for you, just think about growing up. I don't know when it comes to like you and growing up and your, your people who uh, guided your life and rules. So how many of you would say, raise your hands, how many say growing up, uh, when it came to you and rules, that you had a lot of rules to follow as a kid? How many of you just had a lot of rules to follow uh, as a kid? Yeah, some of you out there. Okay, how many would say, I don't know, like you would say you're balanced, pretty balanced, pretty balanced rules. How many, okay, all right, that's about half and half. How many would you, you would say growing up, I don't know about rules, my parents are straight nuts. How many would just do that? Right there, I'm the only one. 
Mama love you. You weren't nuts, okay? But uh, we're all over the place. Right now, uh, Courtney and I, Courtney and I are in the parenting spot with our kids where they're getting older, which means they get to take on a little more responsibility. And so that's, that's exciting for us, but that also means that we get to implement a little bit more rules during the fall. They're mature enough to follow these rules. And here's what I wanna say. We have some higher expectations for them and, and they need rules. Like they really do need rules. They need rules because... I don't want to kill them. All right. And I love them and they need them because uh, I want them to stick around a little bit. Right. And so, and right now I'm actually finding myself uh, in this dad stage where, where, where uh, I'm in the phase to say, because uh, I said so. I don't know if you ever heard that, like, because I said so. That's where I'm at right now. Or, why? Because I'm your dad. That's why. And I, I remember as a kid hearing that and it, like from my dad or my mom to be like, I will never say that. To my, I say it five times before breakfast. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, man. So, uh, and I know for me, but I know for me, uh, when it came to the rules and growing up, I needed them too. I, I, I'm glad I had them. Like those rules that I grew up with shape who I am and, and where I'm at right now. It helped me in so many areas and gave me guidance, a path to follow. Uh, and, and there are rules that I had as a kid uh, that I don't need to follow anymore. Like they're not, they're not applicable to me anymore. Like I don't, like right now, for instance, I don't have to wake someone up when I get up uh, in fear that I'll burn down the house. Like, I don't, you know, maybe Courtney might feel differently. I don't know, maybe I still need to do that and she's afraid I'll burn out the house, but I don't need to do that anymore as an adult. And, uh, and there are also rules that I, that I don't really need to follow anymore, but I st- for some reason they still stick to me and I don't know why. Like I'm 43 years old. If I want a piece of cake for breakfast, I could do that, right? Like I can go down, eat a piece of cake and, and that's my right as a 43 year old man, right? But it's still weird. Like if Courtney comes down and sees me doing it, I freeze. Like I'm doing something wrong and she's like, what? Like she's not, I don't know why that is. So that's, so we're going to look at this. We're going to see today what's going on with the church and with the rules. Okay. And here's where we're at in the story in Acts chapter 15. We're about 15 years after Jesus died, rose back from the dead and ascended into heaven. We're 15 years in. And what's happening is the gospel message, the good news of Jesus is spreading all over the place. And what we're seeing is people believing in Jesus and all, uh, all over the region, everywhere, new Christians are popping up everywhere. And and what's happening though, is that there are Jewish Christians who feel like they need to kind of clear some things up on what it actually takes to be a Christian. So this is where we are. Let's go. Acts 15 verse one. Here's what it says. It says, but some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, hey, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. Okay, so here's what's going on, all right? Uh, We got one story and we have two kinds of people. All right, we have one story that Jesus is the savior of the world. He is God's son. He is God in the flesh. That's the story that he came to save anybody and everybody. And here's what it was hitting. It was hitting strict Old Testament Jewish people and they were coming to believe in Jesus. And then it was also hitting people who weren't Jewish, which they called the Gentiles, anybody who wasn't Jewish, uh, who didn't know the Old Testament like they did and knew nothing about it really. And they were believing in Jesus too, okay? Sounds great. Like that sounds awesome, right? But there is a huge problem with it. I can't overestimate, or I can't oversay like how huge of an issue this actually was gonna become. And I can't get into all the cultural differences between uh, Jewish people and non-Jewish people, but they had drastically different lives that they followed. Drastically different, okay? Basically, and this is gonna be a little boring, but I gotta set this up first to get into the, what's gonna happen here at this council. So basically the Jewish life uh, consisted of a way of life that they lived. It was set up for them. They was set in a way where they followed a lot of ways to live and it set them apart. 
apart from any other people group that existed. Like that's how they lived their life. It almost created, a, how they lived created a barrier between them and any other people group. And it, and it also, God set this up in a way in the Old Testament for a purpose. He set it up for his people in that way in the Old Testament. So, so it would protect them from a lot of things like worshiping idols or, or keeping the outside influences on the outside. And, and they lived this out, the Jewish people lived this out with two basic categories, okay? So they had the moral law that they lived out and they also had this thing called the ritual law, all right? Now, really quick, really quick, you still awake so far? All right, so the moral law, the moral law is basically the 10 commandments type stuff, right? So it's like, don't steal, don't lie, you know, don't murder. And you can look those up. Those are the 10 commandments. And then they had the ritual law the ritual law. And, and here it is basically, basically it's about 600 plus more things that they did uh, in order to keep themselves as Jewish, right? It was rules to follow on top of the 10 commandments. So there was what they just talked about, circumcision and, and there were clothing restrictions, fabric they couldn't wear, shellfish you can't eat. You gotta have your hair a certain way and there are foods that are okay and their foods, are, it was all kinds of, and then 599 more, you know what I mean? It's just a lot of stuff they had to follow. But here's what's happening. So non-Jewish people uh, who were coming to believe in Jesus, they weren't following any of those ritual stuff because they never had to, they didn't grow up believing or knowing any of that stuff at all. And it wasn't in their culture. And so here's where we're at. Here's where we're at before we get to the next verse. Um, it was causing the Jewish believers in Christ a little bit of anxiety. They didn't like it. It was, it was really bothering them and it was actually making them a little uh, upset uh, who were doing this stuff their whole life. But then these other people over here weren't doing any of this stuff at all and they couldn't make sense of it. Are we tracking so far? They just couldn't deal with the fact that they weren't following all these commands. And so here's what happens. The Jewish Christians just come out and say, well, all right, we just think you can't be saved unless you become fully Jewish. They just come straight out and said it. And so now Paul and Barnabas, these two leaders in the church, they get involved and they start talking about it. And, and if you see in verse two, where it says they had no small dissension among them, uh, that is Bible talk for ding, ding. Like that was a huge fight. Like that was just like them really getting into it. So they got into it and this gets big enough to eventually get to the point where like, we got to take this to the council of the elders of the church, the leaders and all this stuff. Like, so it was like, they went to Jerusalem with the leaders. And so this is like the executive uh, leadership council team meeting. And here is the agenda that they were going to cover. Two things, very important for us as, to, as a church. Question one, do you have to put anything in front of faith alone in Jesus to be saved? That's the first thing we're going to talk about. And here's question number two that they have to answer. Is there anything else we need to add for the sake of community? So that's what they're gonna cover and that's what they're gonna get into. And, and I just wanna talk about this. I would say for us as a church, we need to be on the same page with those two things as well, don't we? I think we need to be kind of unified around those two things as well. All right, so let's go. We're gonna get into it. They get into it. They start talking back and forth and we're gonna pick this up in verse seven after they talked about it and debated a little bit. Here's what it says in verse seven. It says, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice among you that by my mouth, the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So 
Peter comes in. I wanna, I wanna get us up to speed on it. Here's Peter's like sort of credentials. First of all, Peter was Jewish. He was a leader of church and he was Jewish. So he got all the Jewish stuff. He understood, he lived it. He, he's like, I get the Jewish thing. And here's the other thing about Peter. Peter was with Jesus from the beginning. He saw everything that Jesus did, all the miracles. He saw him die. He saw him come back from the dead. He saw him resurrect into heaven. He was, and, and Peter also was really the guy who Jesus used to set up the first church and, and, and see the first church going and moving. And so here's what I wanna say with all that. When Peter stands up, that was kind of a big thing. Like it's almost like if there was an ice cream debate and Ben or Jerry stands up, they're like, Ooh, okay, like let's listen to Ben. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was that, I thought that was funny. It was, that was that big of a deal. And he says, I got nothing from you. So anyways, uh, Ben and Jerry's a famous ice cream, look into it. Anyways, and he says, he says, hey, listen, hey, listen, hey, God, this should not be surprising that people outside of the Jewish faith are coming to Christ. God set it up. He told us this was gonna happen. He said that all people groups are gonna come to believe in Jesus and be changed by this. So, I mean, this should not be a surprise. We should have been ready for this. Next verse, he says, and God who knows the heart, we don't know the heart, God who knows the heart, bore witness to them, to the non-Jewish people by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them. What are we doing? We're making distinction. He made no distinction between us and them. Having cleansed their hearts by what? By faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear ourselves? But we believe, here's what he's his final statement. We believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. Okay, so, so, so here's what's going on. Here's Peter's argument. One, you don't have to be Jewish in order to be a Christian. That's basically what he's saying. You don't have to follow all that stuff. And I've seen it with my own eyes. He's like, I saw it. God sent me uh, to this place. And if you guys have been reading with your uh, study plans, uh, you'll come across Peter in chapter 10, coming to this guy's house. His name was Cornelius. He was a Roman soldier, not Jewish. And he's like, and I told him about Jesus and he wasn't following any of these ritual laws. And I saw the Holy Spirit come into him. I saw him accept Jesus and believe and the Holy Spirit moved in him and he was changed. His whole family came to believe in Jesus. And so I know he loves Jesus and there were no ritual laws that this guy was following at all. So that's a pretty strong case so far. Pretty strong case, okay? But then he goes further and he says something else to this group that I think was really bold to say to a room full of Jewish people following these Jewish things and, say, and being pretty prideful about it. It's like, we need to you know, get them following all this stuff. He says this, he says, hey, listen, and by the way, we haven't even been able to keep up with the law that we're saying that they should keep up with. That's what he's saying. Like we can't, our fathers haven't even been able to do that. Don't you get it, fellas? Like what, I don't, you, don't you see this? Like the whole point of this good news is that we can't do enough or be good enough or even add anything that saves ourselves. That, that, that here's the thing, God has done it for us in Jesus and Jesus alone. And his last argument is this, hey, listen, if that's what saves Cornelius, why do we think we're better than him for anything else to save us ourselves? I love it. That's what he said. That alone is what saves us too, by faith through the grace of God. That's how salvation works. And if you think it's something else that works, you're wrong. That's what Peter, the leader of the church said to his Jewish brothers. And I love verse 12, because this is what it says. And all the assembly, like the, these are the heavy hitters of the Christian faith, man, fell silent. They fell silent. And I think right here, gang, I think what happened is they got it. 
I, I think they finally, something clicked in there. They're like, oh my gosh, it's almost like, how did I miss this? How did I miss, not understand this? The simple reality is not what you do or who you are, it's who Jesus is and what he does alone. That's why I think it clicked for me. And I think they finally got through them. And I think in that moment, things started to make sense for them that didn't make sense the day before. And Paul and Barnabas, then they come in. Paul and Barnabas comes in and they actually start agreeing with Peter. They're like, hey man, we saw it too. We've been in all these regions of all these people who were not Jewish and they came to believe in Jesus too. And they're thriving, they're doing really well. Like there's some stuff they gotta figure out, but they're doing really, really good too. All this to say is that they settled question number one right there. What does it take to be saved? And here was their answer. And here's our answer as a church. I don't know where you stand, but this is it. The salvation is through faith alone in Christ alone. That's what it takes to be saved. The salvation is through faith alone and Christ alone. Nothing can be added to faith alone because the second you have to add something, then Jesus isn't who he said he is. You getting me? Jesus isn't who he says he is if you have to add anything to faith alone and Jesus alone for salvation. It's not, nothing else. It's, and, and what he says, he says, it's, and it's God who knows hearts. Don't act like you know their hearts, man. Don't act like because they're not circumcised that they have a weird thing going on where they're not Christians, man. That's what he was saying. So it's God who changes us through Jesus. And so Peter's saying, here's what he said, you don't have to be Jewish to be a Christian. And all the uncircumcised men in the room were like, yes, oh, like they're like, woo, you know what I mean? Like, cause you can, you know, talk about that later. So anyways, they were, hooray, I think I'm being a lot funnier than you think you are. Okay, anyway, so they're high-fiving each other, like, oh man, that's great. And so all things good, all things good. Everything's fixed, right? And so then in comes another guy, another really huge guy in the church, James. James stands up. Now, James is the half-brother of Jesus. And so he's gonna say something, but real quick, here's who James is. Uh, he's, he's a leader of the church. He's a half-brother of Jesus. And this always gets to me that he believed that Jesus was the Messiah as well. And I'm just thinking like, for those of you out there who have a sibling, all right, like a brother or sister, and he grew up with Jesus, he saw everything in Jesus. What would it take for you to believe your brother or sister is the Messiah? I'm just saying, like, I'm the, that sold me right there with James and Jesus. I'm like, yeah, he knew everything, and he still said. So James stands up, he, he verifies what Peter is saying, and then he almost puts like a stamp on the meeting minutes of the, of the talk, and here's what he says in verse 19. He goes, okay, therefore... My judgment then, due to this and us agreeing and, and saying, yeah, that's totally right, is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God. Gang, if there is a statement that is the heartbeat of our church, it's that right there in the name of Jesus Christ. I, that hits me every time I see it because I know who I was before God. I was not following God. And I'm so grateful that there were people who didn't wanna make it too much of a trouble for me to turn to God. And for me as a church, who I wanna lead as people, I wanna lead people who say, I don't wanna trouble a lot of things when it comes to people who turn to God. Our mission, the reason we're here, why we exist, I don't know why, how you think we exist, but we are all about helping people take next steps in their relationship with God, wherever they are with him. They're not where you are. I'm gonna tell you that right now, but we are here to help people take those next steps. That's the mission. Doesn't matter who you are, what you did last night, what you believe right now, doesn't matter any of that. We wanna be a place where everybody's welcome to hear the good news that Jesus is here to save your life. Like that's what I wanna be about and to hear the story of Jesus. And, and, and for that too, I just want everybody to be welcome in on that. I want, this is a message for all. I don't care who you are or what you did. So I just, I just want you to know this church, I can't speak for any other gathering thought about, I, I could just speak for our gathering. Here's who God, God is calling us to two things, man. He is calling us to connect disconnected people from God and he's calling us to grow disciples, okay? 
That's it. That's what he's calling us to do. And in order for us to actually help disconnected people get connected back to him and also grow disciples, we need to realize those are two different kinds of people. Like there, there's a maturity going on here that is not happening right there. And, and so in order for this to happen, for disconnected people to get to connected to God and, and get back to him, we need to remove as many barriers as possible in order for that to happen. And, and what that means is that means that we have to be a people with open arms and full of grace and full of love for them. And that we're thinking of others before ourselves in order for that to happen. And let me tell you, that ain't easy to do as a church, everybody. It's really actually not easy, especially when you put your spirituality on somebody else, that makes it real hard. But I wanna be a place that's just open arms, man, wherever you are, because for, this, for the sake of someone turning to God, isn't it worth it? I hope you say amen to that, because I do. I wanna remove as many things as possible. So, so, so I don't wanna make it difficult for people who come here or who are invited here and to turn to God because we weren't ready for them or their kids because we didn't have enough volunteers or, or we weren't inviting enough to them. They felt like judged because of, of, of all kinds of stuff. I don't wanna make it difficult for them. I wanna be a church that just welcomes them in wherever they are. I don't wanna make it difficult for people to turn to God because of my lack of preparation or that I don't take the word as seriously as I should as a pastor. I don't want to make it difficult for them to turn to God because of me. I don't wanna make it difficult for people who look different who act different than you, who do things that, you, that are not lined up with God at all. And they're still trying to figure out a bunch of stuff. They don't even know what some sins are, let alone like how their lifestyle or choices are, or any of that factors in in this. I don't wanna make it difficult for them because they feel judged on the spot instead of us letting them come right in and say, we love you, man. Come on, hear this great news of Jesus that can save your life. I don't wanna make it difficult for them. I don't wanna make it difficult for people with different political views because that's a secondary issue. The primary issue is Jesus saves. I don't wanna make it difficult for them. We'll talk about that later. I don't wanna make it difficult for Steeler fans because you're annoying. You know what I'm saying? Like, we love you. Rich, I love you. I love you, Rich. Don't be mad at me, okay. We have a message of Jesus. That's primary, gang. That's primary. And we just can't let anything get in the way of this. So here's belief number two. This is, this is, if you wanna know where we stand as a church, you can decide for yourself whether you wanna be a part of this or not. We will remove as many barriers as possible so people can turn to God, period. Gang, if there is a drum beat, if there is a drum beat I wanna have as a church of Jesus Christ, that's on top of the list. That's on top of the list. That's something I want us to have in our hearts. I don't wanna make it difficult for people to turn to God because I know what it took for me to turn to God. It, it just makes me almost get emotional about it. I don't wanna make it difficult for Andy 25 years ago to turn to God. I will not make any unnecessary barriers for him because I'm glad of what Jesus did for me. And it took a long time for some things to change in my life, by the way. So I hope you join me on that. So James keeps going. He says, I don't wanna make it difficult, but he says this though. He says, all right, but should we write to them and abstain from the things that are polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood? Okay, so, whoa, time out. Like, okay, like we just got to this great place. We're like, hold on, man. Like, so what is he saying right there? That's really random. If you like, if he said the first thing, well, what's going on here? Jesus saves and don't have immoral sex and don't strangle animals. Like that is a very strange thing. So let's talk about this because it's really important for us to understand this part. So let's, I'm gonna look at these like piece by piece. So let's look at sexual immorality first. I wanna Take, the, take a look at this. Here's why he said that then with, with the people who were coming to know and believe in Jesus. So in that culture, and this is actually kind of the same today, um, 
Extramarital sex was actually just commonly accepted. It was fine. It was not a big deal uh, of people outside of the Jewish faith, really. Like all other people groups were, it just was seen differently. It was accepted. Uh, it was kind of all over the board there. And so Gentile people coming, people who were not Jewish coming to faith and belief in Jesus didn't know any different. They didn't live any different. There was nothing that caused them to not have extramarital sex. Like just that, that kind of stuff outside uh, of, of marriage between a man and a woman. So, uh, so here's what he was saying. Like he's saying, hey, listen, we still need to obey the moral law of God. That's what he was saying. He was like, we need to obey the moral law of God. God, it doesn't change in that sense. So, and that's different than the ritual stuff. That's different than the ritualistic law. And so here's what he was saying. So all believers, wherever you came from, whatever background you are, all believers who have come into this relationship with Jesus Christ, you, you don't need to be fixed at that point, but when you come into this relationship with Christ, we need to abstain from any sexual activity outside of a marriage between a man and a woman. And so any, anything outside of that sexually is forbidden, opposite sex or same sex. Like, like that's what he was saying. Anything outside of the marriage is it's the same that we see it. So he was saying the moral law doesn't change. Like God doesn't change right there from, from beginning to end. He's not changing. So you, you need to avoid that. You need to avoid that. And, and you know, here's the thing for me, I wonder as I read through that, I'm wondering, I'm like, why did he just say that one? I don't know, did you, I was like, why just that one in the moral law? There's other things like, what about stealing? What about murder? Like, what about lying? So is, are we just, we got the green light to do that stuff? Is that like, what's going on? Uh, but here's what the difference was, as I looked into the, the commentary on this and the study in this, the difference was the sexual immorality was not commonly agreed on by all people. It was not commonly agreed on by all people and what God's design is. And so everyone agreed that murdering was not good. Are you getting me? Like, that's why he didn't feel like he needed to say it. It's not like you came to belief in Jesus. And wait, wait, I shouldn't murder? Like, that's not like, he's like, I don't need to waste my breath on that one. But there is a difference in understanding God's design and how you grew up or, or what you believe in that area. And so that's why he was saying it that way. And so James was saying this, the moral foundations, the moral foundations of the commandments are still in effect today. They're still in effect because God doesn't change. And so you need to avoid sexual immorality, all of it. You just need to avoid all of that, okay? So that was the first one. And here's the other one. Now, what's up with the eating, the strangled animals and blood, is getting, staying away from blood and all that stuff and polluted by idols. And so um, now I need to explain this one as well uh, because there's something that happened then that, that might be a little foreign to us today. So I wanna talk about this. So uh, for us today, it's gonna sound weird, but in the first century, they had this thing called um, supper, okay? It was called supper. And where you would essentially, from what I understand about supper, is you would get together and eat food around this thing called a table, all right? And then you would like slow down and you would stop doing stuff and you would actually talk to people at supper. You would talk and that was your day. And oh man, like you, you would just sort of like take a break from your day. And, and that was where them, and this is seriously in the first century, they would, that's where they would disciple a lot of times. That's where they would talk about Jesus and learn about Jesus. And, and this was a time for discipleship. And so what was going to uh, happen here? This was the question that he was trying to answer. All right, so what's gonna happen if I'm a Jewish Christian and I'm following some of these ritual laws and I'm, I understand I don't have to, but I still do. Uh, what's gonna happen if, if some guy, if a brother of mine comes up and he's bringing some food, some meat that I find completely revolting. 
Like, and I don't even wanna be like that. It just is what it is, man. I can't stand it. It makes me sick to my stomach. And he's bringing that to the table for us to have communion together. And so this, this right here, this issue that James was saying had nothing to do with salvation. It had to do with community. And so this is the second question we're gonna kind of get to. Um, so, so this is what was going on. And James was saying, okay, listen, here it is. Then don't make it, so, so just as we're not gonna make it difficult for Gentiles to come to believe in Jesus. Hey, you Gentile believers, don't you make it difficult for our Jewish brothers and sisters by just, just think about, so just, just have a little bit of sensitivity to some of the things that they still follow. Uh, so they have cultural sensitivities, be gracious towards them. And so, so here's what they kind of decided. Here's what they decided is they said, hope this makes sense. They're saying, hey, listen, if that bothers you, uh, if that bothers you by, by what I eat and I like it rare and all that stuff, uh, then when you come over, I will not serve you that meal. I will make sure it's lamb and it's charred. You know what I mean? Like, like it'll be so well, you won't see a drip of blood. And that's really what they were kind of getting to. Uh, and cause I don't want to waste our time with that kind of stuff. If you, if you find it distasteful, if you find it like really, then I will, I will lay that down uh, for the sake of us getting together. And so they found for us in that a principle. And it was this, there are, there are still things that you can do. There are things that you can do, but in the light of the gospel and, and in light of community and all that stuff, they can be harmful to others. And so just, just be mindful of that. It doesn't mean you can't do it, but just be mindful of that around people and the gospel uh, being known and, and uh, listened to around all. So if, so if you're making somebody uncomfortable, uh, it's not wise to do, because here's our goal. Our goal is always unity. It's unity and encourage each other in the Lord. And that's for us too. There are freedoms that we have that, that might bother others. And we just gotta be sensitive to that kind of thing. So this wasn't about do these rituals. It was more about consider your brothers and sisters who are at the table with you. Does that make sense? And so this is question two that got settled, okay? Even though new believers uh, didn't have to follow the ritual law, be mindful uh, that, that, of that. And so that allows everybody to be together, to be discipled, to be learning and thinking and talking about Jesus without any problems. Uh, and so they could pe keep moving through this message of Jesus. So here we go, here we go. So faith alone in Jesus alone for salvation, obey the moral laws, avoid sexual immorality. And even though you don't need to be Jewish to be a Christian, just be sensitive to the cultural practices of your brothers and sisters to keep the fellowship going. Okay, that's where we landed. That's, what, that's where that landed, okay? And, and I feel like I wanna say something, I need to understand this because I hear a lot of people say this. I actually do. I, feel, I hear a lot of people say about Christianity, about Christians, well, like, man, it's just like, I don't get Christianity because like you follow some things and then you don't follow other things. It's, it's almost like you pick and choose. And I hear this a lot. And it's like, if you go to the book of Leviticus, like it says, you know, don't eat shellfish and, and you can't cut the corners of your beard and all that stuff. And, and you know, like, so, so why do you follow like the Bible on sex, but you don't follow the Bible on the fabric stuff and shaving your heads and all that stuff. It's really inconsistent. Like, that's what I hear. I don't know if you hear that, but I hear that. And I wanna, here's my answer. It's not at all. Like, it's not inconsistent at all. We are not picking and choosing. We're not picking and choosing. In putting aside the dietary and ceremonial restrictions, we're putting aside what the Bible tells us to put aside. We just read it. We're putting aside what the Bible tells us to put aside. And the Bible tells us to keep obeying the moral commands, to keep observing the moral dimensions of the law and put aside the ceremonial. And by the way, I just wanna keep this in front of all of us who are believers in Christ. This is all post-salvation. You get me? Like James isn't talking to people who don't know Jesus. He's talking to people who are still working this out in their faith. They're still trying to figure this out. They're still like, wait, wait, what? That's not, we can't do that. Like this, this is all post-salvation because it's Christ, faith alone and Christ alone that saves. And so they're working through this as believers and they believed in Jesus, but they were working through that faith to live more and more for Jesus. And yes, be more and more obedient to him. But gang, listen, their pace might not be the same as your pace. You getting me? Like, so, so we gotta work together in this. 
And you know, and I have to wonder, I have to wonder in all that. Like I just sat there and I wonder, you know, I wonder if they sat back or if like Peter sat back or James sat back after all of this and they said, man, with all these people coming to believe in Jesus and are Jewish, it's gonna be a little messy. And you know what I concluded in my 25 plus years of being a Christian? I agree. It's a little messy. And I think honestly, where we really struggle is, if we're honest as a believer in Christ, is this. What do we do? What do we do with the fact that imperfect people every day come to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they're still imperfect people when they wake up the next day, and they're still not doing the things that you think they should do? Or they're still not saying what you think you should say? Or they're still not like all the way up on your maturity level and you think they should, or they're not doing what you, you know, whatever you want to put in, they don't have the spiritual chops that you have, or they don't understand this yet, or they're not meeting that expectation that you have. What do we do? Because the truth is, here's the truth, gang. I, I don't know, I'm not gonna put a hypothetical. The truth is there are a lot of Christians where there are so many things that are still being worked out in their life with Jesus. I hope you know that. They're not all like you. They're not as awesome as you are, okay? Like we're working stuff out. And that's why community is important. That's why fellowship is important. That's why having diversity and, and bringing people in and saying, man, we agree on Jesus. We agree on Jesus. Let's keep working on this together. And, and, and we're learning and reading and all that together because we're all being changed all the time. I hope you know that you're still being changed a little bit too, brother. Like, I hope you know that. Like, and so everything's not clear for us. I'll, I'll just talk about me. Everything's not all clear all the time for me. I still have times where like I have dark nights of the soul. I have, I have doubts every now and then where I'm just like, man, like I don't know. There are new things that come into my train of thought about Jesus and living for him. And, and I have tough days and I have great days. And, and that's all across the board for me as a believer in Christ. I hope you know that. And I hope that's, I figure that's where you are too. And some days are great. Some days or weeks or months are tough, but there's just this something that keeps me going. There's just something that keeps me going. And, and even on the down days, even on the struggle, and I think Peter and those guys figured out what it was. I think they figured out the real difference of salvation. It's this, it's a pursuit. It's a pursuit. That's the difference. It's not in rituals, but here's what it really is. It's answering this question. And we're all at different places with this question, but it's answering this question. Am I at least willing to change as God changes me? Can we just agree like, man, I, don't, I might not have the same theology as you are right now, but can I at least change as God continues to change me as I see what Jesus did for me and that I just have different desires than I did yesterday. And then that's my prayer every day in my life that I wanna have more desires for Jesus and his heart. That's the difference. That's what makes you different. When you've experienced, here's what's the difference. When you've experienced a great, truly understand what forgiveness is and you truly experience grace of God and salvation through Jesus alone, then what happens is you just kind of desire to be made more and more like him. And you, and you desire to have more and more of his desires for your heart instead of living for you and living for the things that you wanna do and, and living for your desires and going after your own things. It's a pursuit. And so what we do is we, we put to death some of these things in our life that we thought were so great. And, and we, we, we put to death our preferences and we put to death our rights because of Jesus and the supremacy of him in our lives. And it's a pursuit and it all doesn't happen overnight, everybody. Hope you know that. It doesn't happen overnight. It's messy. It's messy. And I'm asking you as a church, are we okay to be in that mess with people? I hope you are, because I am. I want to be in that mess. But the mess by definition means it's messy. You know what I'm saying? Like we gotta, we gotta love each other through that. And it's not gonna look the same. It's not gonna be at the same pace or look the way, uh, you know, for him, her, or them as it does for you. We just gotta be settled there. For some, it takes time. 
right? For some, it takes time. It takes work. It takes a literal changing of our minds sometimes. And believe it or not, there are some Christians that are a little stubborn. Like, you know, I mean, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying there are some of us that are a little bit stuck in our ways and it's hard to change, but it's just like, man, am I willing to change if God changes me? And we may have a wrong theology on something. We may have a wrong approach on something. We, we might not be working on the right stuff right now that you think we should uh, be working on. We may think differently uh, than we should be right now, but we have to, you can, can you work with us? Can you love us? Can you have grace for us? Can you have enough room for us at the table as we're working through this stuff and love us with the truth? I'm not telling you to get away from the truth. I'm just saying, can you love us with the truth instead of like judge us with the truth? You know what I'm saying? Like, can you do that with us? And my hope, here's my hope for you. My hope is that God has illuminated your life enough to expose the truth to you, that you're a work in progress too, my friend. You need the same stuff that it's hard to give out to other people.